Hey guys, today is the last day of the year and it's a good day to take stock of where you are and where you want to be. It's natural to look back and think, man, I wanted to be further along in my career. I wanted to be in a relationship or I wanted to be engaged or I wanted to be a parent by now. At the beginning of the year, you probably had some goals, some things you wanted to work towards. And it's natural at this point on the last day of the year to look back and think, man, I didn't hit everything that I hoped I would. It's natural to come to a boundary like the end of the year and take stock of where you've been successful and where you fell short of your goals. And some of that is healthy, but also some of that can make you cynical or make you bitter or disappointed or even sometimes hopeless. Mark Batterson says, we tend to overestimate what we can do in a year and underestimate what we can do in five. There are decades where nothing happens or nothing seems to happen. And then there are weeks where decades happen. So don't be too hard on yourself if you've come to the end of the year and you feel like you've taken a few steps backwards or you failed to hit some goals it's okay. Life is more than just goals and achievements. Life, the most meaningful aspects of it are about relationships, your relationship with God and your relationship with other human beings. That's what really matters. That's what matters most. At the end of your life, you won't say, man, I'm glad I hit quarter four goals. You know, uh, you'll say, I'm glad I have a relationship with my, my child, with my spouse, with my loved ones, with my neighbors, with my friends. And often when I reflect back on my year and my goals and my objectives, I find myself focusing so much on things like what I got done, what I got accomplished, what goals I achieved. And I often forget to take stock of my spiritual progress. Do I live and love more like Jesus than I did in January? Do I look more like Jesus in how I treat my friends? Do I look more like Jesus in how I treat my enemies? Am I less selfish? Am I more generous? Am I more loving and forgiving than I was in January? Over the course of this year, have I become more like Jesus? Am I less prone to anger, fear, and insecurities? These are all signs that I have become begun to be, be more like Jesus. And this question is a lot more painful than simply admitting that I didn't hit some of my personal goals or some of my work goals. This is admitting that I've fallen short in my discipleship to my Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. And that's really a tough pill to swallow. We know that discipleship, that's simply a uh, religious buzzword that means becoming like Jesus. The process by which you become like Jesus is discipleship. It's a twofold process. There's a part the Holy Spirit does and there is a part that we do. And the part the Spirit does is automatic, but never on our timeline. Um, as you age, the Spirit is going to work in your pain and in your pleasure, in your success and in your failure. But the other part of discipleship is dependent on us. And it's what we choose to do with our lives and our energy, our thoughts and our hands. This is a cooperative partnership between you and the Holy Spirit to become like Jesus. And we need to do our part. 
Now, we know that grace is a central tenet of Christianity. That is, Jesus doesn't love us any more or less, depending on how much progress we've made on our spiritual journey. So take a quick sigh of relief. If you made no progress, if you went backwards in your spiritual progress this year, Jesus loves you just as much as if you had made a lot of progress. His love is constant, even when our progress is so often volatile. But we also realize that becoming like Jesus means becoming a person of peace and an agent of love. The more we become like Jesus, the more we are filled with peace and love. And those are things that my marriage needs, my family needs, my neighborhood needs, my workplace needs, and my world desperately needs. It needs me in those places being a person of peace and an agent of love. And that happens as I become like Jesus. So there is a tension. We can rest in the unchanging love of Jesus that no matter how much progress we've made on our spiritual journey, he's going to love us the same. And yet, we need to be certain that we haven't abandoned the role we have to play <clears throat> Excuse me, in becoming like him because the world needs us to become like him. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 4.15 says, We must grow to become in every way mature. That is, we must grow to become like Christ. The pathway of discipleship, the track onto spiritual maturity is becoming like Jesus. That's the journey. We want to become like Jesus so that we can do what he did, so we can have the impact he did on people who were hurting and burdened and imprisoned and release them from darkness and despair and fear. We want to be a light to the world just like Jesus was. That's what discipleship is about. But this pathway, this pathway of discipleship, is strewn with dangers and with temptations. It's seldom a straight line. Like, you don't ever look at somebody's life and they're just every year after year just becoming more and more like Jesus. There's steps backwards, there's side paths and wanderings, and then you get back on track. We have setbacks and detours. In the words of C.S. Lewis, sometimes we have entire regressions of faith. So I want us to reflect on where we are with our discipleship right here, right now. And I don't want this to make you feel guilty or feel like a failure. I want us to be aware of where we currently are without feeling shame about where we've been or where we think we should be. Because the first step to growing, to becoming like Jesus, to become spiritually mature, is to be honest about where we actually are. Jesus once told his apprentices a story about a farmer sowing seed. And I think this story, this parable, will be helpful as we consider our spiritual progress this year. It's in Matthew chapter 13, verses 3 through 9. And then Jesus told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. And some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But then the sun came up, and the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and, and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Now jump down to verse 18. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. 
The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short while. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they um, quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Now, this passage is usually talked about in the context of salvation. That is, coming to a moment of surrender and accepting Jesus as our king, saying, I'm looking forward to your kingdom. I want to be a part of that kingdom. I'm going to operate as if I'm a kingdom citizen because you're my king. That's the big picture what Jesus is talking about here. Some people hear the good news of his kingdom and are like hard soil. Some are hear it and are like fertile soil and they respond to it. That seems to be the main point that Jesus was driving home here in this passage. No question about that. But I think it can also be a helpful framework for where we find ourselves in our discipleship. And here's what I mean by this. Are you the path? If you are, then likely you don't understand what you need to do next. You're, you've got this. You're like, I want to grow, but I don't really know what's next for me. You feel like your spiritual growth has plateaued and you're unsure of what to change to kick, to kickstart it, to get it going again, to move to the next level. You just feel like, man, I'm just in this spot. Like I do these things, but I don't know what to do next or to, to continue to grow. I feel like I'm kind of stuck. Maybe you are the rocky ground. Your faith seems so strong at one point. You look back and you're like, man, I used to have such a robust and strong faith. But then some trouble or persecution came along. Maybe something unexpected. You lost a loved one. Something painful happened to you. And suddenly your whole idea of God was twisted. After all, what kind of loving father would have allowed something like that to happen in your life? And, and you can't get past it. Or maybe you're really struggling to move through it. You're like, why did this thing have to happen in my story? I used to have what I felt was such a strong faith, but then this happened and everything fell apart. And I don't know if my faith can continue. A lot of my friends deconstructing their faith right now are in that place. Maybe you are the thorns. Your faith was mostly ignored because your brain is so busy worrying all the time, or your life is too busy because you're chasing wealth. And that's the, that's essentially status and stuff. And you're always thinking about temporary things. And so you don't really have a lot of time for your faith. It just kind of gets pushed to the margins of your life. It's the thing that's, you know, if you've got other things going on, your faith is what gets pushed off the schedule. Um, and you think that, man, if I just keep pursuing these temporary things, they'll satisfy the deepest desires of my heart. Or maybe you're good soil and you're producing fruit year after year. You find yourself becoming more loving, more patient, more generous more forgiving. You're becoming a clearer and clearer reflection of Jesus in your family, in your neighborhood, and in your workplace. So the question is for us this morning, what soil are you right here, right now? Not what soil you were back before the pandemic, or what soil you were two years ago, or 10 years ago, or what soil you wish you were, or what soil you pretend to be. What soil are you right now? This goal isn't to make you feel bad and to make you feel condemned or guilty. Uh, for not being good soil. It is to make you aware so that we can all become good soil together and produce fruit because our world needs it. 
when I first moved to this area, um, I, I didn't know anybody. I was looking for things to do. I looked around for some volunteer opportunities and I saw this post online where the Lower Marion Nature Conservancy needed volunteers to go out and test streams and waterways within Lower Marion Township and test it for chemicals and pH and just see the relative health of the streams in our area. Um, and so they gave me a testing kit. They taught me how to use these chemicals and these testing strips and all this. And so I would put on my galoshes and go out and wait around in streams for an hour every month and test these streams to see what uh, the wildlife was like, what the water level was at. I would measure like if the bank had changed. I would use all these uh, chemicals to test to see if the pH had changed in the water. And most of the time it would be pretty good. It would be pretty healthy. And then sometimes a big rain would come through and lots of trash and runoff would be pushed into the streams and the pH would be crazy. The other um, chemical levels that I would measure would be off the charts. There would be all kinds of weird chemicals in the water and trash pile up and the bank would change and there'd be sediment and erosion. And just like sometimes how big storms would change the waters in Lower Marion Township, I think sometimes things outside of our control change the soil of our heart. And that ends up affecting our discipleship. A big rain comes and washes a bunch of trash into our heart. And I don't think we can always be blamed for those changes. Sometimes it's a consequence of something we've done. But a lot of times just chaos finds us in a broken world. Um, and so we're not to be blamed for that. Like those things happen. Stuff comes and you have emotions and you have baggage and you have trauma and you have all this stuff in your heart. That We can't be blamed for that, but not working to return to good soil is on us. We have a choice whether to dam up the trash, let it all back up and make the stream stagnant and stale, or to let it wash out and restore the soil to healthy levels. Uh, I think this year was soil changing weather for Darby and I. Some of that weather was crazy and terrible and some was unexpected but beautiful, but it really stirs up your heart in weird ways and makes your soil change. Um, we were just reflecting back over this year and we're like, it feels like there's about 10 years worth of bad stuff that has happened this year. We know so many people who have passed away. I had a Vespa accident in January. We had a snake in our drain in our house. Like we fell in love with a little girl. We were going to adopt her and then we lost her and we were devastated. And like, there was just so much craziness this year. It felt like so many years worth of craziness packed into one year. And that changes your heart. Um, there was also good, right? And then we got our little girl back. And after 10 years of wanting to be parents, we finally were. Um, but being a toddler parent is amazing and wonderful. And I love it. But let me just tell you, someday showering is hard, let alone finding silence and solitude to spend time in prayer. Um, hey, if you have two kids, what are you, some kind of superhuman? Like, I don't know how you do it. You have more than two kids? You must have a nanny or something. Like, I do not understand how you are getting through life. Um, but all of a sudden, my routine of like getting up early and having some quiet moments with coffee and my Bible and prayer, those are gone. Like most of the time, my daughter is up before me and she is demanding that I come in there and make her breakfast. And I love that. But that means that some of my moments that were dedicated to becoming like Jesus now look very different. They feel very uh, like the landscape of my heart's been changed, not only because of all the bad that's happened, just because there's whole new routines in my life. 
all these things change the landscape of our hearts. And you have different things that happen to you this year, but it changes your soil. It changes what's going on inside of you. For me, I found that this year, my fuse is short. Like it doesn't take much to make me angry. And that's never been who I am. My patience is thin. My spiritual disciplines seem sporadic. My prayers are scattered. And honestly, God's presence feels faint and distant. And that's a little bit of a confession, but I hope it's also an encouragement to you that if you find yourself there, guess what? The pastor does too. Sometimes things happen in life and it shakes everything up. And we're like, I don't know if anything spiritual is still growing. It feels like I'm taking steps backwards, not forward. All these things are signs that the soil in my heart has changed. Like if I was fertile soil at one point, I'm not right now. Good soil produces fruit and the fruit I seem to be producing is anger and impatience and like tiredness. I want to be producing good fruit. The Apostle Paul said that the Holy Spirit inside of us will produce good fruit. In Galatians 4.22, it says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what the Holy Spirit produces when you have good soil. Is that what you see in your life? Take a quick assessment. Are you growing in these areas of your life? Do you have more love for difficult people? Do you have more joy even in the face of trouble? Do you have more peace than you do anxiety? Do you have more patience when people are being so difficult and you're like, ah, just move, just go get off your phone and go, the light is green. Or are you like me, has the soil in your heart changed? Do you have more kindness, more goodness? Are you more faithful? When you say you're gonna do something, you do it. You stick with things, even when it's not fun, even when it's hard. Do you have gentleness? You don't turn to anger. You turn to kind words and encouragement. You always have a soft response. Do you have self-control or do you find yourself going to things that are, you're like, I just keep spending more. I just keep eating more. I just keep drinking more. Like, why do I go for more and more instead of having the power and the strength and the capacity to say, no, I've had enough. Do you see yourself growing in these areas? Or like me, do you, do you feel like this year has been a change in the soil uh, inside your heart and you feel like your soil isn't producing the fruit you want? Don't feel guilty about that, but we need to be honest about that. What do we do if we find ourselves with bad soil? Here's some of my suggestions. Here's some of the things I'm trying to do in 2024. First of all, be honest. Faking it, trying to act like your soil is good, trying to fake fruit instead of letting the spirit produce it out of good soil is not going to cut it. You need to be honest with God, honest with some people that you trust, honest with yourself and say, hey, I'm not producing good fruit. There's probably something wrong with the soil in my heart. I need to do something about it. And then second of all, remember that you are loved. This is not like Jesus is going to finally love you if you get your stuff together. You know, like Jesus is angry with you, so you better act out, you know, better shape up. That's not it at all. Jesus loves you, whether you get it all together or you don't, whether you produce good fruit or you don't. But Jesus wants his love to flow through you into the world to people who need it. And right now, if you're like me, your soil's been all churned up and it's it's dammed up and his love isn't flowing out of you into the world because you need to do some work inside of yourself. But remember your love. This isn't out of guilt. This isn't out of shame. It is his love that will compel us to change. 
And then I think we need to ask God to renew fresh soil inside of us. There is a part that we need to do. Yes, we need to do some things, and I'm going to walk through that in just a minute. But we also need to remember that there's a supernatural work that needs to happen inside of us that God needs to be involved in. In Psalm 51.10, I've been trying to pray this prayer every day. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. I want a new heart. Fix the soil in my heart so I can grow good fruit again. Give me a steadfast spirit. That's a spirit that doesn't move. Soil that doesn't change. Even if a big rain comes through, I want to be steady and sure and solid and unchanging. Here's some more things I suggest you do. Start small. Um, make small changes as you, in 2024 as you start to try to change the soil of your heart. Don't try to do it all at once. Rather, do small things for long periods of time. Many times in Christianity, we like big flashy changes. We're like, overnight, I was radically different. Most lasting change starts small and then permeates thoroughly throughout your life when you stick with it a long time. So reflect on a short passage of scripture daily. That could be just a verse or a paragraph. Don't push yourself. You don't have to read through the Bible in a year. Reflect on a little bit of scripture each day and just think on it, meditate it, think about it throughout the day. Pray during your commute or your lunch break. Somewhere where you would normally reach for your phone, just leave your phone down and say a short prayer, 30 seconds, a minute. And you could just say something simple like, God, I feel like the soil in my heart has changed. I'm impatient instead of patient. Will you help me to love instead of being unloving? Will you help me to have gentle words instead of angry words? And then write down some daily gratitudes. And, you know, if you write down one thing a day, great. What I found is I just keep a little notes, um, a notes. I use the notes app on my phone and I'll just write down some things that I'm grateful for. And what I find is that it begins to give me a spirit of thinking about God and thanking God. Another thing I would suggest to change the soil of your heart is to find a spiritual director. Now, this might be a mentor or a friend. It might be a family member. It might be somebody where you actually go to a Christian organization and say, hey, I want to hire a spiritual director to help me make progress. It might be coming to somebody in the church and saying, hey, can you help me? Can you just give me some things, some books to read, some tasks to do, some spiritual disciplines to practice, and just connect with me and help me follow through on them? I would love to give you some more suggestions uh, that might be helpful or that I found helpful to myself, some books that I've read or some practices that I've tried that I think are helping change the soil of my heart so I can produce good fruit. Find a spiritual director. Find somebody you can be honest with, someone who isn't going to sugarcoat it for you, um, but also isn't going to condemn you, who's going to say, hey, here are some good things you can try. Here's some good next steps. Find somebody in your life who you say, you know what, they're a little bit farther along on the spiritual journey than I am. I can learn from them. Maybe they can give me some advice about what to do next to move off of this plateau, to get over this hump, to change the soil of my heart. And finally, um, the last thing I'm going to suggest today is begin to write down, to journal, and to pray some really simple, honest prayers. I'm going to share with you one of the prayers that I prayed, uh, that I wrote down this year. As I've really wrestled through like this change in the soil of my heart and how I don't see myself producing good fruit, where it feels like I've taken steps backwards in my discipleship. This is a breath prayer. I've talked about these previously throughout the years, but it just starts like this. Jesus, empty me of fear and worry. 
Jesus, empty me of anxiety and my frenetic need to do more and more and more. I feel like a ruined garden today, devoid of all life except for rocks and weeds. Gently till up the soil of my heart, plant goodness and peace into my soul. Water it with your love. Amen. It doesn't always have to be so poetic or flowery. Just be raw and honest with God. I believe that these kind of prayers begin to clean out of the, the trash and the, the uh, sediment out of our heart and make it good soil for the spirit to grow good fruit. Often it feels like the soil in our heart changes suddenly overnight when chaos or crisis comes. And many times that's the case. Like something happens and all of a sudden your heart is wrecked in an instant. You get a phone call, you get an email, you somebody says something and man, everything's stirred up inside of you. But to restore the soil in our hearts, that restoration only happens slowly over time. Be patient with yourself. Stay honest about where you are. Don't try to jump ahead. Like do the process. It's a process, but the process works. The ancient Egyptians relied on the Nile River, uh, which flooded every summer. And the flood waters would carry rich silt from the volcanic um, mountains up upstream. And they would bring these nutrients into the Egyptian fields during the flood season. The flood waters would wash out the salts that irrigation and evaporation had left in the soil. And so they relied on the Nile to flood and the flood would destroy their farms. But then the flooding would actually make the soil richer and better for future farms. And so every year the floods would come, destroy what they had. But after the flood waters went down, their farming soil became more productive for the future. And so every year there was this back and forth between the floods destroying what they had, but then the floods going away and then them being able to grow even more than they ever had before. And the reason I tell this story is I think that exact same thing can happen in our hearts. There is a potential that in your storm, you can grow a deeper faith than you ever had before. You can put down deeper roots that can stand up to stronger winds. That's what I'm praying for. That's what I'm praying for for you in 24, 2024. That our years of being hard soil or thorny soil will lead to a deeper faith that is capable of producing much richer fruit than ever before. Just because you, you look back, you're like, oh man, I had this faith over here and then this happened. And man, I, my faith, I thought was so strong, but it was actually so shallow and it all broke and it all fell apart. I, I think that you can have a stronger faith in the days ahead because that happened. Because you had bad soil, you, I think that you have the capacity to grow an even deeper faith. But it starts with being honest about where we are. And it starts about taking small daily steps to begin to change the soil of our hearts so that we can grow good fruit. So as we move into 2024, I want you to write down some simple things that you can do to cultivate your bad soil so that you can grow deep roots abiding in the love of God and producing rich fruit that will benefit the world. Happy New Year, everyone.